0: Hi, everyone. This is Steve Green on the Charisma Podcast Network, and I want to speak to you on behalf of Evangelical Christian Churches. And if you've ever had a desire to be trained, equipped, and credentialed as a chaplain, you may really want to listen to this message. It's probably now would be a great time to fulfill the call of God on your life. We're still early in the year. You can accomplish so much still in this year of 2016. Becoming a licensed minister will enable you to reach out at jail ministries, hospitals, nursing homes, Maybe you want to do street evangelism or teaching, traveling, going to, across the world to minister. Women's Aglow would be good. Maybe even in anti-abortion facilities, counseling, traveling, whatever it is that you've got in your heart, there's no better place to be trained and equipped than Destiny School of Ministry Chaplaincy Training Institute. Let me say that again. The Destiny School of Ministry Chaplaincy Training Institute. They're going to offer you the opportunity to be trained and credentialed as a chaplain. It's always good to have official credentials. They have correspondence classes and extremely affordable tuition. They're licensed throughout the state of Michigan and fully accredited. You can call them now. They actually prefer you to call them. Their number is 586-773-6568. And one more time, 586-773-6568 good thing about a podcast is you can back this up and listen to the phone number again. Their website is churches.com. Check them out there or just call that number one more time, 586-773-6568 for the chaplaincy training program. Get credentialed today. God bless you.
1: of of point in your life I looked at my future it's draped in shadows I mean that's where you just decide okay I, I either got to move forward or I've got to retreat and that's where God began to teach me grit and he did it through I think examples that I saw in my parents you know they just had a can-do attitude my faith was so real to me even at that point And I really just believed God and I trusted Him.
0: This is the Charisma Connection, and I'm Steve Green on the Charisma Podcast Network, and I'm so excited to introduce you to Jennifer Rothschild, who's a marvelous writer. latest book is Invisible, and another one, Invisible for Young Women, and we're going to talk to her about that. But before we do that, first of all, I want to welcome you, Jennifer, to the show.
1: Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: And you're living in God's country, there in the belt buckle of who we all are right there in Springfield, Missouri.
1: Springfield, Missouri. You know what? We've been here about 16 years, and I was from the South, and I thought nothing could compare to the South
0: until I moved
1: to Springfield. And it is such a wonderful place to live with wonderful people.
0: What part of the South were you Southern in?
1: Well, my people
0: were from Georgia.
1: And, oh, and no. listen, Steve, they are so Southern. My daddy especially, he's so Southern. He would make like Jimmy Carter sound like a Yankee. Oh, I mean, my goodness. Super Southern. Um, so we were also living in Georgia, but also in Florida.
0: So if you're in Georgia, then you know about the sweet tea.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes. That and was they a tried hard habit to, to break. <laughs> I know. They
0: tried to do it here in Central Florida. It's an impersonation of sweet tea.
1: Well, you, because, there's a way to do it. While it's hot, that's, that's when right. you put the sugar in and you got to let mm-hmm. it
0: sit. There's lots of yeah. rules, and only Georgians know how to do it.
1: That's I'm right. convinced. <laughs> I've had a lot of other
0: people say on their menu, Georgia sweet tea, and they're yeah. fibbing. They're fibbing a lot <laughs> <laughs> just to make me drink it. Well, I want our folks to get to know you. I, I know this is going to be a terrific interview. You've got so much to say to us. And uh, you had a foundation to your faith that I don't want to focus on what you are want and, and what God has is, is taken you forward from, but I I want people to know that about you, but not yet. I, I want you to talk about who you are in Christ now, and tell us a little bit about your foundation to be able to write such marvelous books.
1: Well, I'll tell you who I am is, first and foremost, I'm learning to speak this as my response. I am a daughter
0: mm-hmm. of the
1: Most High, and so consequently, I'm learning as a 52-year-old woman who is married. i've been married for thirty years i'm learning to live out of my identity because there have been many years i've lived out of my insecurity or my weakness, sure. so i'm learning that and there's a lot of freedom coming so i've got a, I'm, I've got two boys i 'm a mom yes and Steve, our boys were born ten years apart so wow. that yeah, means a... right now i've got a seventeen year old and a twenty seven year old and my twenty seven year old's wow. married and so I have finally got a daughter. A uh, daughter-in-law, her name is Caroline. So I, I have been um, a believer in Christ since I was nine years old. That's when I asked Christ to come into my life mm-hmm. and to change me and forgive me. And here's what I love about the gospel. Um, it is so profound that scholars have studied it for 2,000 years.
0: Wow But it
1: is so simple mm-hmm. that a nine-year-old girl can understand it
0: That's and it can change her life. You're smart. That That's Ph.D. material there. You, you
1: <laughs> Well, I'm married s- to one. Yes. Hey, I'm married to a Ph.D. What does your why?
0: husband teach?
1: He teaches entertainment management. He's here at Missouri State University.
0: Oh, great. So he's in vogue down there for Branson, folks.
1: Yeah, he is. Yeah. That's great. And it's really sweet because since the Lord called us into ministry and I do my own events— he applies so many of those business principles to what we do in ministry and then mm-hmm. is able to transfer that back to the classroom. And it's just a great way to splash just a little, you know, a little living water into the classroom. Yes.
0: How did you two meet?
1: We met in college. Uh, we went to Palm Beach Atlantic University.
0: Good. And I have students he there a now. Sophomore. Yes. Uh, it's a great school.
1: Palm Beach Atlantic is a fabulous school. And when we went there, it was still very small, you know, like Mm -hmm. 700 students. Um, But I met him because I was dating his roommate.
0: (laughs) Oh, my. Now, that's a story for another podcast.
1: (laughs) That's a whole other podcast. We got this thing called That's how I met my husband.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's a great way to meet. uh, It is.
1: And you know what? It turned out well because his roommate ended up being the best man in our wedding. So everything turned out just fine. So
0: he's in a good mood about it. (laughs) Yeah, he was. (laughs) There's this line in your bio that you share with others that I want to teach you something about having grit. Mm -hmm. And as before I knew you were a Southerner. So uh, talk to me and, and talk to our listeners. They're the ones who want to hear you. Talk to them about developing grit you you've been through some trials and some tough times tougher than many of us have uh, will ever have to endure but tell me about how grit was stirred up within you
1: well I think God is so good to equip us with grit and I know he helped me develop it um, when I was a teenager so I was fifteen years old and I had begun to have some difficulty with my eyesight mm-hmm. um, but I didn't really recognize it at first, you know, like my math grades began to really suffer. I didn't know it was because I couldn't see the chalkboard well. Um, I would trip down the stairs, or when classes would change and I had to navigate those dimly lit hallways, I would, I would um, bump into students, and I just thought, I must be the dumbest, <laughs> clumsiest person ever. And so finally, one night, um, I was walking upstairs with my mom. We were going to visit a friend who lived in an upstairs apartment, and of course, I was tripping up the stairs. And my mom stops and said, "Um, can you not see the stairs, Jennifer? And I was just as surprised and said, well, no, you Hmm. can So that's about all it took, you know, for a mom to hear that. I was at the eye doctor the next day, and within a week I was at an eye hospital. And it was diagnosed there that I had a disease in both of my eyes called retinitis pigmentosa. Mm -hmm. So early on, I was, you know, declared legally blind right away because so much of my retinas had deteriorated. But the prognosis of the disease was that my retinas would keep on deteriorating until eventually they were gone And that meant um, the prognosis was total blindness. So, you know, at that kind of point in your life, I looked at my future. It's draped in shadows. I mean, that's where you just decide, okay, I I either got to move forward or I have got to retreat. And that's where God began to teach me grit. And he did it through, I think, examples that I saw in my parents. You know, they just had a can-do attitude. Um, my faith was so real to me, even at that point. And I really just believed God, and I trusted Him.
0: Did you ever and ask so why me? so I think me? for
1: me, one of the most interesting things that God allowed to happen during that season um, was this. When I came home from the eye hospital that day as a 15-year-old girl, uh, it was silent on the ride home. You mm-hmm. know, I, you can imagine the reasons why. My parents a million thoughts and prayers. I remember sitting in the back feeling my fingertips and wondering if I would have to read Braille. So finally when we got in, I went and I immediately sat down at our old upright piano, and I began to play. And I had played the piano for a couple years as a little girl. I had had a couple years of lessons, and I could barely muddle through songs in the key of C. Mm -hmm. But um, this day when I sat down to play, I couldn't see any sheet music. I couldn't see out of my hymnal. I did not play a song I had once memorized, but I began to play by ear Mm. for the very first time. And I really look back at that, and I think God, in all of His mercy, though sometimes it feels severe, allowed one door to close at an eye hospital. He opened another right there on that piano and
0: um, gave me the gift of music. Have you continued to play?
1: I have. And the Lord just, you know, I've developed into songwriting, and and I sing um, that's not my primary ministry, but but it's a compliment to what I do. Mm-hmm. But, Steve, you know what I love is that not so much that um, I played by ear, but the song that I played. On that day that could have been the darkest day ever for me, uh, the song I played was, It Is Well With My Soul. Yes. And um, I'm not sure I totally understood what that meant as a 15-year-old, but I do know this as a 52-year-old woman, that truth still resounds in my heart because mm-hmm. it's still not well with my circumstances, but God has made it well with my soul. That's why, just like Hebrews ten thirty nine says, we are not of those who shrink back. So that's why I don't quit because I know, according to Scripture, there's always a better day ahead, and God has given me so much joy and so much contentment, even in the dark, that mm-hmm. um, that's why I've learned to have grit, it's worth it, even on the hardest days, and that's why I try to empower women to have the same.
0: So you married your husband, had children, uh, a new uh, daughter-in-law, and yeah. all without your eyesight.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Amazing. But you can see them.
1: I, in my heart, I can.
0: Sure, that's good enough.
1: Yeah, it is. And someday, you know, I'm going to pass from death to life and my eyes are going to see well. Anything that matters, I will be able to see. So I just know I'll be able to see their faces uh, in heaven.
0: So I've got to ask you this question, a pastor's question Mm -hmm. that we get asked so often. Uh, Why did you ever ask that question? How many times did you ask that question as a little girl? Why me?
1: Yeah, you know, um, here's the thing about that question we can ask why, we can ask why me, or we can ask why not. Mm -hmm. And I think early on, and I take no credit for this, Steve, none. I, I just believe it was the grace of God. I didn't necessarily ask a lot of why. I just really went toward God. And I think what... Over the years, though, as I've matured and I've had to process the loss differently in every decade of life, you know, as a new mom, um, dealing with the frustration of not being able to drive my children places. You know, I write books and I have to do it with a laptop that speaks. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to get incredibly frustrated, Mm -hmm. but I, I have found that it's more spiritually and emotionally healthy for me to look at my blindness and say, not why me, but why not? Why not? Why not and and I do believe in some ways God um, God has used it to to make me into the person that I am happier being I know my propensity toward pride and independence and isolation and uh, blindness has been the mercy that's prevented a lot of that
0: that's good so tell me about the bridge to riding uh, where was that initial spark that the Holy Spirit drew you into telling your story or writing a book so powerful like Invisible?
1: Well, here's the thing. I had no confidence. In fact, when I wrote my first book, it's called Lessons I Learned in the Dark, I couldn't even type.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> so, I I was approached by a publisher and I honestly thought, no way, I cannot write a book. Number one, I can't see. Number two, I can barely pull off a blog for more than 300 words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um. The publisher really encouraged me, just just tell tell your story and what spiritual lessons you've learned. And that's how I began. And at first, even though I could not see it, I would write on just blank paper with no lines. I would kind of keep my finger flowing down the paper as I would write. And then an assistant would type that all into a computer and read it back to me. Wow. Well. That's how I wrote my first book. Mm -hmm. Since then, um, I very quickly learned how to use accessible technology. So now I I type, I write my books on my own, self-edit, do all that, and my computer just talks back to me. So it's the kind of thing, though, and, and this is what I want anyone hearing my voice to hear, that when God gives you an opportunity, you may not feel like you are capable of pulling it off, but sometimes it's in that thing that you feel most, um, uncomfortable with that, you recognize this is what I was called to do all along. And when I look back, I'm so grateful because I, I know God made me a communicator and I know that was the vehicle He wanted mm-hmm. me to use. Yes. And He has brought me the most satisfaction, one of the hardest things I ever learned to do, but one of the most satisfying.
0: Yes. We're visiting with Jennifer Rothschild. I want you to check out her website. While we're speaking, we're we're about to talk about her book a little bit deeper, but you might want to visit her website for any of the books that she's written. It's jenniferrothchild.com, and in between the Roth and the child, there's an S. (laughs) We don't pronounce the S, but it's jenniferrothchild.com. You can find her books there. And I want to dive into Invisible because I think I understand your story and what's in your first book. Tell us about uh, the urgency for you to write this next book.
1: Well, you know, with women's ministry, which is where I go and what I do, I, I, so, I meet so many women. And, and then the, the more I'm introduced to myself as mm-hmm. a woman, the more I realize how much women struggle with this feeling of, of being invisible. And so the subtitle of the book is uh, how, you, how You Feel Is Not Who You Are. And so the reason I wrote the book is because God was teaching me How I can receive completely my identity from Him, and if I do not, then I wander off to all these um, what I call idols Mm -hmm. and lesser gods to find out who I am. And so the story that God led me to in Scripture is the story of Gomer,
0: Gomer Gomer and Hosea,
1: and. You know, a lot of women would say, wait a minute, you, you cannot compare me to Gomer. But I, I tell the readers, because I've looked in the mirror and seen it, there is a me in Gomer. And mm-hmm. here's why. So Gomer was this woman who really made some bad choices. First of all, she's described as a woman of promiscuity. And then God tells this great prophet Hosea to marry her. Gomer and Hosea get married, Gomer is no longer known as a woman of promiscuity. She's, for all practical purposes, Mrs. Hosea, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. She's got this identity of a beloved bride, and what does she do? Instead of embracing that identity and acting according to it, she goes out for what she calls her other lovers who will give her the things she needs. And it ends up that she is sold into slavery, but the beauty of the story is that Hosea... Buys her back and brings her back home. Well, that's what we do as women. Here, God has given us this beautiful identity. Instead of receiving it and embracing it, we wander off to find our identity in lesser things like popularity or our appearance. Or there's a million things we.
0: And, then and what call happens them, is, you call them idolatrinkets.
1: trinkets. Yeah, they are idolatrinkets.
0: trinkets. Yes, because give us a couple these of Little those.
1: things that we think will satisfy us and make us somebody, Mm -hmm. but they don't, and eventually, we end up enslaved Mm -hmm. by the very things we wanted, and we've got these chains of insecurity, these chains of feeling inadequate, and by the time we get all chained up in all that nonsense, we just feel invisible. Mm -hmm. But the beautiful part of it is, is the same God who gave us identity, who said we are loved and accepted. is the same God who comes and He frees us from those chains so that we recognize that how we feel is not who we are because we are His beloved.
0: Tell us about the power of shame over you, over women, over all of us. What is that, uh, what's the effect of shame on a life?
1: Well, I think what shame does to, to women in particular is it constantly lies to us. And it becomes the loudest voice we hear, and it's that voice that says, you know, you're isolated, you're not good enough, you're beyond hope. And, and, and so what I say to women in the book, Invisible, is shame off you. Shame off you, because that's what Jesus said to the woman who was yes, caught in adultery. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, we as women can be just simply caught in the act of being human and feeling like, I can't get the laundry done. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not paying enough attention to my husband or in our jobs. I'm not as smart as she is. And, And it brings this sense of condemnation that we're just caught in the act of being human. And just like Jesus related to that woman who was caught in adultery, that's how he relates to us. And he basically says to us, shame off you, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And if we got sin, then we hear the voice of Jesus when he says, listen, go and sin no more. Be free, my daughter. And so I have learned to not take on shame that does not belong to me. And any time I feel a sense of shame that is based on sin, then I take that right to Jesus, right. and he cleanses me from that sin and takes that shame away.
0: Amen. You also had a great experience with Hoda and Kathy Lee, on the Today Show. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, that was so special. Um, just out of the blue, I got a call from the Today Show and got to be with Kathy Lee and Hoda. And the reason was to talk about the invisible book. And we talked about it a little bit, but we also just talked about, you know, life. And it was really sweet to see how, um, even though we came from very different places in life, there was this unity that came from just being women, women of faith. And I did get to talk on that show about how when we are in Christ, when we know who we are, then we recognize that we are loved and we are accepted and we are complete and we are known. And I explained how, you know, if you look at the first letter of each of those words, L for loved, A for accepted, C for complete, K for known, then the truth is that we don't lack anything.
0: That's good. So that experience really kind of platformed you a little further uh, catapulted you into some other shows, some other exposure. It was all good for you, right?
1: Yeah, it really did. You know, it, it it opened for a little more of a national audience, and I've been grateful just to see some new Twitter followers and Facebook followers who may not necessarily be believers in Christ mm-hmm. yet. And so I look at it as such an opportunity that I'm grateful for. And even when I was in New York, one of the special opportunities I had was to um, be with Eric Metaxas. He has a radio show, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to visit with him, and I'm just such a history geek. I loved his Bonhoeffer book, <laughs> so okay. it was so special for me even to get to know him some.
0: You can find your books at jenniferrothchild.com. It's one word, jenniferrothchild.com, and I want can't let you go without talking a little bit about your your follow-up book, Invisible for Young Women, and we could talk about that for another hour. But give us a brief review of what you were trying to say to our young girls.
1: Well, what I did for young women is I realized, you know, if, if I can speak into the life and to the heart of a teenage girl who's wandering and trying to find herself, if I can help her understand she is already found in Christ. And that she doesn't need to be able to see who she is in the eyes of a boy or in the eyes of a glittery magazine or when she's looking at a social media screen that's telling her how liked or popular she is. Mm -hmm. If she can look into the eyes of of, of God and look into the truth of his word to see who she is, then (laughs) quite frankly, it'll prevent all the things I'm trying to take care of in the grown-up invisible book. So I've seen how God's using that, and what I love about it, Steve, is I I changed a lot of the stories in there, of course, to be more suitable for teenage girls, and God's given me a handful of them that I have in my life. You know, I don't know that we talk very much with actual voices and words as much as we do on text, Mm, (laughs) so I I used a lot of those texts um, to help me know really how to speak into the life of a teenage girl.
0: That's good. So uh, I was going to ask you, do you believe that the young women of today are any different than Gomer was? Do they have the same desires, same issues? Can you see a lot of uh, similarity between our young girls, our teenagers today, and Gomer?
1: I sure can, Mm -hmm. because Gomer's basic need was to be loved and feel that love and recognize she was accepted and, and affirm that she was actually complete. And so I think every teenage girl, I think that's just woven into the human spirit. That's right. uh, that we want to know we're loved no matter what, even if we blow it, even if we don't feel lovable, are we loved? And are we accepted? Even if we don't perform well, are we really accepted just because of who we are instead of what we do? And are we really complete? Are we really enough? Are we really adequate? Yes. Are we really known? And so I think teenage girls deal with that, unfortunately they then try to get those needs met, the need to be loved and accepted and complete, feel complete from all the wrong places That's because right. there's such great access to um, social media. And everything that tells else. tells them, you're only good if you have this many followers. Right. You know? and, and so I think that the needs have not changed. Perhaps the way to meet those needs
0: has changed. Mm-hmm. I've told pastors in my church for many years— uh, either in Sunday school classes or from the pulpit, that uh, hug your daughter every day, hug the girls in your life every day, because if you don't, some boy will. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she
1: longs for it. She, she needs does. It. I, I, in fact, I deal with promiscuity in the book, sure. and I'm very honest and uh, gentle, mm-hmm. because I want teenage girls to know they are way too valuable to give themselves away. And promiscuity is not just in something you wear or something you do. It's a, it, there's a spirit. The book of Hosea talks about a spirit of promiscuity. Hmm. And it's this willingness to give yourself away to cheaper things. So we, in the book I talk about you know how we dress and how we speak and, and, and recognizing that all those basic needs that we're trying to get met in the wrong way through promiscuity right. are already met in Christ if we will just tap into those
0: needs. Well, I sure hope you sell a like a billion of these books so that our young girls can get good advice from someone they would listen to because they don't listen to our parents, you know. That, no. Uh, although no. I've raised a good daughter and a son and I haven't seen those issues in them. That doesn't mean they're not there, that they weren't latent. But we all know that we're, we're of the world and we just got to come from it. And yeah, we're out. prone
1: to wander. Yes. We're prone to wander.
0: Amen. Was well, there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up this great interview and this great time with you? Anything on your mind?
1: Well, I just appreciate the time with you, and I appreciate the ministry, and I just um, am grateful for I know there's so many people listening to us, Steve, that they got their own stuff in life, you know, mm-hmm. and I love the fact that that the same God that we've been talking about is the same God who can meet them right where they are and meet every need that they have. And that just makes me so grateful that we can call him father and serve Him every day.
0: You can continue to follow these great words of Jennifer Rothschild on her website. You can find her on jenniferrothchild.com, And again, she spells her name with an S in between Roth and child, so you can find it easily. Her latest book is Invisible. She's got lots of resources there. She's a great minister to women, has a heart for young women as well as uh, adult women who are struggling with their own identities and their own invisibility. Jennifer, what a pleasure it was to spend time with you. God bless you, and thank you for being on the show. Thanks. You've been listening to the Charisma Connection. This is Steve Green on the Charisma Podcast Network. God bless you all.